still in the season of Christmas. And so we're going to talk about Jesus' birth and why he came again. Um, looking at Galatians, the end of 3 and chapter 4, there's a lot of complex theology there that's kind of difficult to understand. But that's what preaching is all about, is to make them easy to understand. And um, so that a child can understand. Um, what we have here is Jesus' birth. He inherits the promise that God made to Abraham. And that's what Paul is talking about in this section of Galatians. And the reason it's important is because in the in-between time between the promise to Abraham and the fulfillment of the promise in Jesus Christ, we had the Ten Commandments. We had the law. And the law is there for a specific reason. The law is there to remind us that we can't do it. So now I'm going to make this, try to make this the way child, children can understand. Okay. Do you know what a covenant is? A covenant is an agreement between two people. And usually it's between a sovereign and a subject. So let's look at the promise that God makes, the covenant that God, that God makes with Abraham. Now, to make this clear, let's say I, your father, said to you, the child, let's make a covenant. I want you to clean your room. Oh no. And then, what I will do is I'll give you ice cream. Okay. We're going to make this really simple. Okay, right, right. You're licking your lips. Yes. Now, here's the, here's the question. Are you going to clean your room? I've, I've witnessed this myself. You are not going to clean your room. Even though I said, you clean your room, you get ice cream. Now, what usually happens is they don't clean their room and we give them ice cream anyway because we're oh. awful parents. At least I am. That's pretty mean. No ice cream. Now, let's say thousands of years later there's a child born that cleans his room and actually does a great job and keeps it clean. Okay? He gets ice cream easily. Now, how can you get ice cream? You could either one clean your room. Now remember, in the in between you being asked to clean your room and this this little boy coming and being able to clean his room every single time and not mess it up in the first place, I've been reminding you with a set of rules, you shall clean your room. 
refrigerator. Yeah, it's on the refrigerator. You shall clean your room. Now notice shall. Shall is a word that's interchangeable, at least it was. I think there's some conditionality to it. But in the past, it's interchangeable with will. It's a future tense word. You shall clean your room. It's not saying you must clean your room. It's saying you will clean your room. It will happen. Okay? So what happens is this young boy is born and he cleans his room. And he gets ice cream. And you're trying to clean your room, but you stink at it. You don't clean your room. You fail. You start playing with the toys that you're supposed to clean up. And next thing you know, we hear you're up there having a party in your messy room because you found a bunch of stuff underneath the clothes that you were like, hey, I forgot about this. And you start having a good time. And that happens for thousands of years until this young boy comes and says, hey, I've cleaned up my room. I get the ice cream. Now, what's another way you can get ice cream? Without cleaning your room. You get in good with the boy who cleans his room. He gets all the ice cream because he keeps his room clean. So if you trust in the boy who cleans his room and you become and you have a relationship with that boy, not you know, in a platonic sense, and you well, in a way, actually, you, we, as a church, we do marry Christ. So, let's say he becomes your husband. What happens? He cleans the room. You marry the groom. You get all the ice cream, too. Because you've put your trust in Christ. Who has the promise that if you get if you clean your room you get ice cream? Okay, I'm done with the cleaning the room metaphor and the ice cream. Now here's the actual promise: the Lord said to Abram, "This is the first time Abram's mentioned, besides the sentence before." The Lord said to Abram, "Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house." To the land I will show you. What does that mean? Abram's father and his father's house is a pagan household, is a household that worships false gods, is a household whose rooms are not clean. They're worshiping not the true God, they're worshiping death. Pagan cultures worshipped death. You can see that in the Egyptian. The tombs they opened was all about death. God is a God of life. He says, leave your father's household. Essentially, he says to us, turn your back on all the garbage that you've learned from birth all the worldly things that you've inherited from the world, turn your, clean your room. Like literally, clean your heart out. 
and go to the land that I will show you. And then I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Sounds like he's talking directly to Abraham. How people react to Abraham. But further down, he shows him the land because Abraham does what he said, what God asks, and leaves his father. Simple task, turning your back. People do it all the time, but for the wrong reasons. People estrange themselves from family all the time. So here's God asking him to do that, to leave his, his pagan culture behind and just go to the location. And then God shows him the land, and he says, to your offspring I will give this land. Now this is kind of confusing in English because we have the same word, offspring, for plural and singular. Offspring means both. In Hebrew, there's a different ending, a different word for multiple offsprings and one offspring. When we go back to... Galatians, the end of three. He says, The promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings. Referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. What's happened is, the people who are blood-related to Abraham have been thinking all of this time that they are the inheritors of the promise. What they've been doing is using the law that God gave later. God gave the promise to Abraham, then he gave the law to Moses. And the law is a bunch of shalls, which means you will keep your room clean. During that time, the Jews... The Israelites, the, the nation of Israel, they all said, we are the inheritors of this promise because it says offspring. And Paul is saying, it's Jesus. It's not the bloodline of Abraham. It's Jesus who is the inheritor. And then it says... When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave. Because in that intermediate time, we had the law, and all the law did was remind us of how sinful we are and how we can't keep our rooms clean. Because you are sons, you are now crying, you are no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if a son or a daughter, then an heir through God. It's the same thing as the ice cream, except what it is, is you're inheriting the promise through Christ alone, through faith 
in Christ alone. Above, the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Because of our sin, we are all under the law. But you break out from being under the law because of Jesus. Jesus gets the inheritance. We get the inheritance by being part of the church that is married to the bridegroom. <coughs> the last thing I want to say, and did you notice that it said, those who bless you I will bless, those who curse you I will curse. It's how people react to Jesus. <coughs> and that happens all the time. We know people that just at the sound of Jesus' name react violently. And then there are those that feel an irresistible urge to understand who he is. And it's our job to explain accurately who he is by using the word of God. In that passage in Luke, it's the last thing I'll talk about. Jesus was presented at the temple. His parents brought him to the temple because they were fulfilling the requirements of the law. There had to be a ceremony. He's the firstborn. So there's a whole firstborn ceremony where you bless the firstborn son. He was born under the law too. But because he's perfect, he's the perfect son of God, he keeps his room clean. So they go there for the, the ritual, for the law, to fulfill the law. And what happens? A guy comes out of nowhere and says, I've been waiting around this temple for years because I was promised by the Holy Spirit that I would not die until I saw the face of the person who was going to save everyone. The person who was going to redeem the promise of Abraham. And so then he prays. He blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation and you have prepared, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In the promise to Abraham, he said, all the nations shall be blessed. Not just your nation. That's why we know it's not a misinterpretation to say that it's the people who have faith in the seed of Abraham who are saved, not the people who are just directly bloodline descended from Abraham. Because it would be easy to say, oh no, it's the people that were, we're the people that are directly related to Abraham. We are the inheritors of the promise. And he said, through you, God said to Abraham, through you, all the nations, and that meant all the Goya, all the, all the, the unwashed, unclean, the Egyptians, the death cultures, the everybody, everybody who has faith in your offspring will be blessed. And everybody who rejects your offspring will be cursed. And so right after he says this prayer, Simeon says, well, it says his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed 
for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed so that the thoughts of men for many hearts will be revealed inside of Israel, outside of Israel. How you react to Jesus is whether you're blessed or whether you're cursed. That's why he had to come and be a human being, a full human being under the law so that we could interact with the historical record of him or as they did, interact with him face to face and respond to him. And the Holy Spirit gives us faith to respond in a blessed way to him, which makes us sons and daughters and inherit the kingdom. Or, without the Holy Spirit, we naturally just don't like that. Even though when you read the Gospels, Jesus hasn't done anything bad. As, as the thief on the cross said, he did nothing wrong. Which, to me, proves that Christianity is true. When you have a central figure who was a good person, who was holy and pure and righteous, and didn't do anything horrible, and yet people respond to him with anger and hatred and start blaspheming him and assigning him the attributes of the devil, you know it's the true religion. It's the one that is the real religion and the one that we will follow. Remember, we will keep our rooms clean. We get the ice cream through Christ and what happens is we're so full of gratitude for getting the ice cream that we go home and we say it's actually not so hard to keep my room clean and I'm able to do it imperfectly but we do it because Christ first loved us and he came to earth because he first loved us. The whole world. Amen.